Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Stressed Podcast. I am super, super excited um, to welcome two wonderful guests to the show today. And it's Kirsten and Tiffany from the Relationship Recovery. Hi, you two. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. It's been a busy but productive Monday and it feels good. <laughs> How about you guys? It's been good. Same. Yeah, same. Just got off of a retreat that we just hosted for our clients. So we're just getting back in the swing of things. It's always fun to kind of mix it up. Yeah, nice. Um, Kirsten and Tiffany, I am really excited to have you on the show today because I want to talk with you, obviously, about relationships. And um, before we jump into all of the things, um, the first question that I always ask my guests is, where are you located? What time is it? And what have you been up to this morning? So maybe let's start with Tiffany. So we are located in Bountiful, Utah. And it is, it's just a little after 4 p.m. here. And uh, our day has been full of client calls today. So it's, it's been a great day. Nice. Are you doing all the client calls together? We, we do some together and then we each have individual clients. So it just, just depends. Um, today's been a lot of celebrating because a nice. lot of our clients that were at our retreat, we also had today. So that's been fun to to celebrate the weekend with them. Amazing. Wonderful. So tell us a little bit more about the relationship recovery and how that all started. And I'd love to understand a little bit your backgrounds as well. So what were you maybe up to before you started the relationship recovery and how did it lead into doing the work that you're doing today? Sure. So the relationship recovery, we focus on relationship turmoil and toxicity and like helping people navigate that. When we originally started, it was all about like divorce and romantic relationships. Um, but as it's grown, it's all sorts of relationships. We have clients that are from the workplace. Like that's where their relationships started and they were trying to navigate it there. And what we find is typically there's patterns in relationships, you know, in all of their relationships, that similar things mm -hmm. that they're trying to navigate and started even back in childhood and moves forward. Right. So we help with relationship pattern breaking and really it's a, I mean, yes, what brings you in is typically a relationship uh, externally be that you're, that has caused it and, or at least shown you there's something going on, but really we try to help people navigate back to recovering the relationship with themselves. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Um, so let's take a moment to really introduce yourselves. Um, I'd love to just get some personal introductions and hear um, your background. Kirsten, why don't you start? Okay. Um, so I'm Kirsten Franklin. I'm the co-founder of the Relationship Recovery. I am also a mom of three children, which I absolutely love. And I'm remarried now, and I've done a lot of that because of a lot of the work that I've done. And it's how I ended up back in that relationship. It's also caused me to, we, I was actually in the relationship when we started the relationship recovery because of the, everything I took from my past relationships, I hadn't really figured out that. And I didn't have a lot of resources. That's actually what brought me there. 
um, to the relationship recovery. That was kind of my mission coming in as I noticed that this relationship turmoil had like caused things that was, it was really bringing damage into my healthy, you know, quote unquote, healthy relationship mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and I didn't want to mess something up there. And then, you know, that all the onions and layers go that way. I'm a certified life coach. My background is social media marketing. I've also done coaching for people with social media marketing and in my other life, you'd kind of ask about our other life. Yeah. Um, we actually met at our previous job, Tiffany and I, so I'll let, if we can kind of dive into that if you want to, um, that's where we met. I was running social media marketing and kind of, um, over database, database marketing there. And she was over events and we took our strengths and put them together and also our passion around the turmoil. Cause we both walked through divorce and shared that. So anyways, it, it's, I, hopefully that's kind of what you were looking for, but yes, it's awesome. a little bit yeah. of me. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you so much, Kirsten. Tiffany. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm Tiffany Denny and I am mom to five, four boys and one daughter and Nana to nine. We just had our ninth grandbaby. Um, and we're obviously a blended family. So we're a big blended family. Um, but yeah, like Kirsten said, we, we met at our previous job. I think what was really important for me is that I'd been through a very long marriage and a really difficult divorce. And it seemed like I would talk to people and they just didn't understand. They didn't understand. And I just, we didn't find the resources and the help that we were looking for. So we decided that we would create that for other people because we know how hard it is to walk through these situations. And, um, you know, divorce itself is hard, but then you take and you put on top of that, like a personality disorder and it can be, you know, it's, it's just extremely hard. It's extremely difficult. And when people don't understand it or have never walked it, it's hard to get support from them. And so we've created a community that can support people. And like Kirsten said, it's branched out to so many more things than what it started out as, which has been really, really cool for us to be able to reach thousands of people and help people in all sorts of situations that, because, you know, we have to face it our life is just completely about relationships, whether it's, you know, personal relationships, relationships in the workforce, those kind of things. So, yeah. And what I find really interesting is you mentioned personality disorders. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like kind of the combination of maybe difficult relationships with personality disorder, What like, what can I, what can we understand under personality disorder? Well, and so I, before we go into that, I also want to just stress somebody doesn't need to be diagnosed for you to have an issue. Like sometimes we get really hung up on, oh, I'm not valid. So I just want to kind of put that, I don't know, disclosure there or little thought, because sometimes we get so hung up on that. But with that being said, also, we don't diagnose, treat or cure. We are certified coaches and two people that have walked with it. Um, Mm -hmm. just walked in these relationships and toxicity, but informing yourself around like tight, like cluster B personality disorders is important because these relationships, these personality disorders are more common than people may think, especially from the experience we've seen with the clients we work with. Um, it's there. And the ones that we really talk about frequently are things like narcissism, um, 
narcissistic personality disorder is the full piece. Some people call it narc. You'll see those type of things on TikTok, right? I think there's narc mm-hmm. TikTok and things like that. Um, our president here in the United States, that was like a big cav, like that was kind of a catalyst for a lot of conversation around personality disorders. Um, mm-hmm. politics, you'll always find things like that. Like people are always accusing people of, you know, narcissism and things like that. And it's good because it's creating conversation. It does sometimes throw it. So people like are throwing things like casually out. Um, so we, sometimes we get so hung up on the diagnosis that it, it's actually damaging, but it's, it's there. It's important. Um, mm-hmm. borderline is another one, um, that we hear quite frequently. It's a lot of that cluster B. So if you look it up, you, you can Google there's DSM information about that. Um, again, we don't diagnose, treat, or cure. However, being informed, the information's there, and it's important to know these things because personality disorders play a role in toxic relationships and can cause relationship turmoil. Also, though, other things can cause that too, and traits, and you know, people end up with personality disorders because of their trauma and your trauma, and so it's it's so much. It there's more complexes complexity to it. So don't get hung up on it, but I still think it's important to be informed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. And um, when did you officially establish the relationship recovery? When did you start? I believe we started officially. We've been doing things for a couple of years prior, um, but on the books, I believe in 2016 is right. Yeah. January is 2018 started? is like when like our launch was, but we started doing things in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's according to the paperwork or whatever (laughs) you want to want to look at it officially. Um, but yeah, that's when we started. Very cool. And you have thousands of followers nowadays and yeah, it's really interesting to see kind of all of the content that you're giving out. And it's really interesting. You say that you have that kind of social media background, um, because it's really reflects as well in how you're managing the accounts. So it's really awesome to see. Um, cool. Let's dive a little bit into workplace, um, toxic relationships. Um, where do we start? Um, What is, you know, I think what I hear a lot, obviously, as a coach as well, working uh, mostly with corporate clients and self-employed people, um, you know, that they are kind of blaming their external environment and external like people that they're working with as a reason for them burning out and feeling stressed and feeling overwhelmed. How do you start working with people that that come to you with a problem like that? I mean, when somebody comes with that, And there's so many different pieces, just like, that's such a loaded aspect. Like, um, there's, I would assume just based off of that little sample, it would be like, you may need to look into things like codependency. Like, are are you crossing the line with that person? Like, are you taking it on? Are you totally draining yourself to the point that the company or your boss and what they think you care more about that than you care about what you actually need. And then boundaries are an issue. Yeah. Right. That's, that's what I hear just based off that. And that's super common. We hear that all the time, really blurred lines, treating a company like it has a soul. Um, not that you shouldn't take pride in your work, but when you're totally self-sacrificing to the point that you're burned out, that that's a problem, right? Like you're crossing lines. I can say too, also from experience and I'll let Tiffany speak for herself. I've done that. 
I've been there because I am an achiever and a lot of my value comes from work. I mean, it used to, I've, I've definitely learned how to manage that, but that's where I sought value. And I think that also causes an issue if you're not having, Mm -hmm. you know, you haven't really helped that relationship with yourself because, and your work is the only place where you're seeking kind of that high, it's a hit. And that's why people become like addicted to work. Like it's a very real thing. I would agree a hundred percent with the codependency piece and the boundary piece and, you know, really recognizing that the environment might be toxic and it might warrant a change. Right. But for the time being, when you're in there and if there's not a way that you can, you know, maneuver yourself out and you, you need to work there, it's important that you work on yourself here so that you can get strong enough to create those boundaries and to not have those codependent behaviors. Um, I think it's just extremely important uh, because so much of that environment can be like that because it is so competitive. And, and I would agree too with the self-worth piece, you know, really hustling for your worth. And it kind of is a culture that, that teaches us that that's where that comes from. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, so first question, first, like dive deep dive into this question, because I think this is really interesting is how do you really identify if it is a toxic workplace? Right. Because I think oftentimes maybe this label has become a little bit, you know, a little bit like burnout has become kind of like easy to put on like, Oh, it's, it's a toxic um, environment. Like if people are listening and they, you know, they, they might, they might either think totally my workplace is toxic <laughs> Um, and it isn't or vice versa. Um, how would you describe or like what, what would be maybe indicators to say that's, that's really kind of toxic and not good for you? I would say it's got to come a little bit from how you feel. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I know for me, I've worked at places when I've walked in the door, I just, it just does not feel good to me. It doesn't feel Mm -hmm. good. Um, also, you know, observing what people within that company do. I mean, is there a lot of, you know, backstabbing and um, conversations behind closed doors that don't need to be behind closed doors? I would just like be very aware of what your surroundings look like. Mm -hmm. I I would just, oh, I, sorry if it went in or no, I would just, I would just add that with, with that, it's like just what Tiffany said, if it doesn't feel good, that intuitive piece is so crucial. I just would reinforce that. If it doesn't feel good to you, that's toxic enough. Like if you feel like you're being attacked or you feel unsafe or, um, it's not in line with your values, somebody's pressuring you, it feels off. Like that feeling is so crucial. That's when things start that's, that's toxicity, right? Like if it doesn't feel in line for you and something doesn't feel good, then that's, that's where it is. And the thing about it is when we're like in a low energy state, you're not going to be in touch with your intuition. So that's when you're going to be more prone to things. And in a workplace that's draining you physically and emotionally and everything else, it's easy to slip into those toxic relationships and then also stay there because you're already being drained. Mm -hmm. Yes. You're bringing up a super important point in terms of just like when you're already having high stress and high adrenaline and high cortisol, you're more in an emotional state versus Mm -hmm. a rational state. And then you're seeing those relationships maybe 
uh, more toxic than they might even be. And that's kind of my next question because I experienced burnout in 2018. And definitely looking back, I felt like things were toxic. But honestly, I think it was more now, obviously, with a lot of perspective and a lot of learnings, I feel like it was almost more a representation of how I felt of, you know, how, how burned out I was. And I just kind of, it, it was just kind of a mirror reflecting back to me, or, um, I almost, you know, felt threatened because I was in that fight or flight state all the time. And I was in this high stress state all the time. Um, I felt threatened by people, even though I don't think that they actually, that they had that intention. It was just kind of how, like my perception and, the, and, um, observation. Yeah. At the time. So when people are kind of maybe feeling more kind of aligned with that message, like more like, you know, even at first, obviously creating just that awareness of, oh, this is maybe just more me and reflecting how I'm currently internally feeling than maybe someone that's doing something wrong with me, right? Because we were just talking about how to identify toxic workplace. Maybe it's not a toxic workplace, um, um, but the way of how you feel, you perceive it as that um what would be the next step then that a person can take in order to um, kind of get out of that cycle or not get into more toxic relationships well, i think you just said it i mean in some ways you you have to identify what the source is what is it is it a mm-hmm. person like you just like because you did just mm-hmm. say the other flip i mean there's other sides to the coin right it yeah. could be like is it me in the mirror is it is it the situation is it that i'm self like am I self-abandoning? Am I doing something I don't actually love? And that's creating this toxic behavior, um, which I would dare to say, if you go back in time, some of these trends probably existed way before the, like what's going on in the workplace. Um, you know, it starts typically as, as frequently as it's thrown out, but it probably started somewhere in childhood, probably started in your other relationships. And then all of that is compounded. And then your role that you've taken in those are the relationships you're taking to work too, in your work relationships and how you're handling things. So I think it's important to really figure out, okay, this feels off. I'm seeing some patterns. What is it? Identifying where it's coming from. Like you said, is it yourself? Is it another person? Is it that I'm, you know, is it me in the mirror? Is it the situation? And then going from there, I think that's kind of your first place. And maybe a second place to go from there, because I think what happens when we get, you know, we're just trying to manage our survival sometimes, right? When we're in, when we feel like we're in fight or flight all the time. So a lot of times what we'll have our clients do is take a step back and do a little bit of reflection on um, what's going on with them. And so- Mm -hmm there's, there's some good questions you can sit back and ask yourself things that you haven't really thought about probably for a long time. And the first one we always suggest is ask yourself, what makes you come alive? And then the second one is what are your strengths? And then the third one is, you know, what do you best contribute to the world? You know, because when we can ask ourselves these and we can write them down, it can change our perception on what's going on, right? It can help bring clarity so that we can take a step back and go, oh, this isn't really serving me. This position is draining me. And Mm -hmm. either I need to change some stuff on my side and like infuse some things back into my life so that I can come out of that fight or flight, or I need to make a change. 
mm-hmm. but it'll bring some clarity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love those questions. Thanks for sharing them. Um, codependency in the workplace. I've not really ever heard about that before. I've obviously heard about codependency. Can you explain maybe what codependency, how that's defined, and then um, how we can also find that in the workplace? Do you want to define codependency and then I can give some examples or? Sure, sure. So codependency is a little tough to define. That's um, if if you look at all the research that's out there, it's it's a little tough, but basically it comes in a few different forms. Um, People pleasing is a big one Mm -hmm. and rescuing is a big one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rescuing and saving, I guess, would be a big one. Um, But what happens is we end up caring more about something than someone else does. And so we take it upon ourselves to, you know, fix that person or fix that, you know, whatever it is, we, we take it upon ourselves to do that. Um, it's just us caring and sacrificing our needs for the needs of somebody else. So definitely it happens in the workplace. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking that <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, people pleasing, big thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Totally makes sense. And there's even two types of codependency too, which is kind of interesting. I mean, typically it is the people pleasing and that's mm-hmm. usually the one when somebody's talking about codependency, that's what they're talking about. Um, and I think it's also important to note when it, when you're talking about the codependency, it's excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner is what they usually say or on another, but I would open that up to another person or like, or your job in general, like mm-hmm. we tend to, I don't know if you see this a lot. I'm, I mean, you're talking about corporate world all the time, but I've experienced this in my own life where I've actually turned almost a company or my job into a human where I'm almost like so dependent upon it that it's where I'm that excessive and emotional and psychological reliance is that, and that, and I mean, it's a thing it's, it's not even, I mean, it's a combination of people. It's a combination of lots of different things, but I, I was expecting that from it. And I almost cared about it more than anything else. I I've been in the corporate workplace where I treated it better than I ever treated myself. And that right there is codependency. Mm-hmm. Right. And <clears throat> so you have that version. It also can present too sometimes where it can be confused for narcissism, which I thought was, I think it's interesting that it can be such a, a, a different side of it where it may act. And you, you feel like where somebody may act self-centered in a way it might be easily. And like I said, can be easily confused with narcissism, but I think the one to really concentrate on is the people pleasing and the caretaking. Mm-hmm. Cause the other one usually doesn't affect that person as much. It usually expect it if just like narcissism, it affects the people around as more than themselves. I mean, obviously it impacts them, but when you're thinking of codependency, especially in the workplace, I would say it's the people pleasing and the caretaking, like Tiffany said, but I just think it's important to be well-informed of there's For lots sure. of different ways that codependency shows up. Yeah. yeah like, uh, uh-huh. Sorry, Tiffany. Oh, no, I did not mean to interrupt. Sorry. No, I thought you had something else oh, to say. I was just going to say it, you know, you can look at it as though, um, you know, maybe you're out doing something with your family and something work-related comes up and you drop everything with your family to take care of that, right? So that that looks like I'm gonna take care of this, this problem because I care about it more than, you know, other rather than finding solutions that maybe mm-hmm. you could pass it off to somebody else, you know, we just drop it, like 
everything right there for work that that would be what codependency would look like mm-hmm. or an example of example it. yeah mm-hmm. and so now again um once you have identified that um what would be something that people can do when they are like oh god i'm a total people pleaser so there is definitely some form of codependency happening in my workplace um how where can people start getting out of that well i like to think of it's important to know where it came from because and and let me just give you a little bit of an example like I think like superheroes are a great example of people that are codependent like if you think of like Batman like he or like I hope you don't care I'm using this but I I think it's such a great analogy (laughs) okay I I must I have little boys and I also am a huge Batman fan but he's like so codependent like so codependent And he goes and like, thinks he's rescuing the world. And we do that in our workplace too. Like, we'll like, think we're like rescuing and we're going to do this thing. And at the end of the day, like sometimes people aren't even asking for it or they are, and we're like totally self-abandoning and, um, like he totally self-abandons. He has no relationships, right? Like he just, now the city's dependent on him and he's just trying to get this self of, you know, trying to get his worth from saving the city or in other ways that he does it is he's not even asked for it. And he just shows up and blows up the city. Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm. he saved the city, but it's in like flames, you know, like, you always see those memes, like, this is what it looks like when Batman comes in and save the city. Um, but you have that piece. So, but if you look at Batman is he started with like his parents were murdered and like, that's his whole story. And so I think something, and that plays into why he does what he does. Right. We're no different. So if you can go back in time and look at where your story is, what, where did codependency come from? Right. Where do you feel like it originates from? It might be like your parent did it. And so you copied them. There were always people pleasing. So you also became a people pleaser, or sometimes it's like you had somebody that you really wanted to be accepted by, or a parent that was volatile or a culture that was very much promoting it. Because the interesting about codependency is it can start in childhood and typically does, but it can also be developed in other relationships as an adult. Um, and, or maybe pieces of it wouldn't have been as big if you wouldn't have ended up in relationships that reinforced it. I mean, it can come from lots of different places. So I think the first thing is identify where it came from, right? Like awareness is important so that you can look for the trend. And then, and then, I mean, there's a lot more than that too. I mean, that's just the first step. Yeah. And what would be the next step? What do you think? Uh, the next step, I think, you know, I think it's important that you identify your negative behaviors and your coping skills, um, you know, getting all of that more in the forefront so that you can start, you know, changing that kind of stuff. But I think really, Prior to prioritizing self-care is huge, you know, is, mm-hmm. is pouring into yourself, whatever that may be. But when we can take care of ourselves, when we are focused on taking care of ourselves, we're not so hyper-focused on taking care of others, right? Mm-hmm. Caretaking is great. It's great to take care of people, but when it crosses the line of codependency, then it becomes really unhealthy for you, right? And the other person, actually, it's not good for that other person for you to try and manage things when, you know, it's just like Kirsten's Batman analogy, you know, people aren't 
typically asking for his help. He's just stepping in and doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so keeping the balance there of, you know, this is, it's okay for me to take care of people. It's not okay for me to do it at my own expense. So yeah. focusing, you know, a high focus on self-care and then a lot of mindfulness, you know, being mm-hmm. very mindful, um, mm-hmm. yeah. is, is super important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know, I love that that kind of always goes back to the same thing. So I have a model that I created, um, you know, to help peak performers sustain their performance and self-care and setting boundaries is part of that. <laughs> um, and I think everything is so interconnected. Um, and it's, for me, it's really, um, just interesting and powerful that the same topics come up over and over and over again. So if you can manage that part, you know, and if you can master these tools, it applies in so many different areas, areas of your life and it can help you so much. Um, I was speaking at an event at the end of March and I was sharing a little bit about my own story. I don't even know anymore how it came up, but I was sharing how important it was for me, um, during my childhood to please my especially my dad with like good grades and to uh, you know get from him this like recognition and appreciation for that I'm a good you know that I'm a good girl and that I'm a you know kind of a successful person and how I then kind of translated that um, relationship because I felt like I never got enough of that maybe attention from my dad how I basically um brought that into the workplace right and then reflected that onto my manager or onto my leader and like look and constantly try to look for for their appreciation and their recognition obviously you know in like in a pastor he's like killed myself in order to to get that right and you talked a little bit about that as well Kristen of like that that self-worth like how much it is attached just to that external recognition and that we're making our our own personal value so much dependent on what other people think of us and what other um, people um, tell us um I'm kind of curious how did you get out of it like obviously awareness is always the first thing right we are we are aware that that's happening but was there something that clicked for you or something where you were like oh <laughs> this is what I'm doing and I'm kind of take taking a specific step towards getting out of that mindset yeah I mean <clears throat> for me it was a realization that I was doing it right I had to have something mm-hmm. that outweighed that because I mean that's a that right so just backing up kind of to the, you said your story, right? Like you figured out that it was attached to your dad and some of that. And there, and there's no shame. And sometimes we have trouble when we're coming up with these stories, we like shame our parents or, and it doesn't need to look like that. It can just, they were, and I mean, obviously there's abusive circumstances. I'm not excusing that piece, but like typically they're good intended, right? Like there wasn't any harm. Right? They were doing and, their best. Exactly. Yeah. They're doing the 100%. Best. Yeah. 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 And, but whether we like it, you'll be the most perfect parent and there's still going to be things your kids interpret, right? Like it's, yeah, it, exactly. it's just the way it is. So having that story, knowing where it came from the other piece, like for me from that, like a awareness B the other thing is what are these negative behaviors and identifying these core beliefs of what, what it was I was gaining from it. Like what am I saying to myself? What are this, these pieces? So like it, it would create this toxicity and then I would notice it. And I noticed what I was gaining from staying in it too. Right. Like, so I was, I was 
the favorite person is. So for me, so this goes way back. So I almost in, when I was in this workplace, it was also coming out of a toxic relationship. So I like to joke that, I mean, not joke, but kind of seriously, this is what really what happened. I was in a toxic romantic relationship and typically people keep their dating trends, right? Mm-hmm. Mine went from this toxic relationship. I took those same behaviors that, because even though I wasn't necessarily the cause, you take on the role of the person receiving the the other side of it. Right. So if Mm -hmm. you're with a person that has negative traits, you have to take, you take on the role of the person receiving the negative traits and that's what you continue to attract. And I took that same aspect into the workplace. I mean, it, it existed before, but I would definitely say it amplified into the workplace that I had. Um, but once I was able to kind of identify that I was treating my workplace, like I was my relationship and started working on myself, like the traits, because the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Mm-hmm. And so all of my value, cause I was seeking externally for all of my value and that came from my workplace. So when I was able to identify that I was getting all of my worth and value and kudos and feeling good about myself from my workplace yes so we were talking about um yeah relate kind of how you are taking on these traits and then um kind of get them amplified in other areas of your life as well yeah so i i just noticed that a lot of the same negative traits in my romantic relationships and in other even like talk in friendships because the way you do like i said the way you do one thing is the way you do everything and i was doing the same thing with my workplace I was seeking external validation. If I failed at work, I felt like I failed as a human. If Mm I, you know, and it was, it was an addiction I was addicted to this validation I was getting for work. And it was Mm -hmm. funny because the workplace I had was not that there was really positive things, but there were also like some toxic pieces where I felt like I never could quite please the circumstance either. So it was kind of it very much mirrored the romantic relationship I was in. Interesting. So when I was able to start finding worth, ex, like ex, not externally and more doing my own work and figuring out why I was doing what I was doing, I just naturally didn't make sense anymore. I wanted mm-hmm. different things because it wasn't in alignment with who I had become. And, and so I was able to break that. Um, it actually happened a little faster than I thought. I found something that outweighed it. Right. I, Mm. I, my, my want to be with my kids more, my want to, you know, build another business, which funny enough, Tiffany and I actually were trying to build different business. And then our passion for this came first. And then that actually outweighed. It's funny how you just take these baby steps and then you're able to do that. But I would say that was kind of the big thing was I was able to quit trying to find my worth from my work and turn inward. And that's why I was able to break it. because it just didn't make sense anymore. I'd have to self-abandon in order to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think too, another thing that I would notice is that I would bring that negativity or that toxicity home with me. Mm-hmm. And that would be the topic of the conversation, you know, with my husband and I, and, and that kind of started to create a little bit of a rub too. I mean, he didn't want to hear about it. And, and I was sick of listening to myself about it too. Mm. So I think that's something to like observe is, you know, 
what is this doing to my life as a whole? You know, and I think you can really like pull it apart and see, you know, and, and take a look at it and see, you know, is it just something that I need to change here? And then like, like you said, you, you were able to look back in 2018 and, and you're like, no, it was more about me and the things Mm -hmm. I needed to change because if it is, and you start working on yourself, it will naturally change and it will be okay. Or Mm -hmm. is it something I really need to remove myself from because it's just not good for me, no matter how much work I do here. Mm. Yeah. I love all of that. I think it's such a valuable topic and you know, I think one of the things that they always say is like one thing that really resonated with me over the years was that, you know, if you change yourself, your external environment will change as well. I think so often we think the external environment needs to change and it's so much easier to blame and to be like, this has like this environment has to change or the workplace has to change or this person has to change. And then I will feel so much better. Right. Um, but oftentimes it's so much more about our own perception and how we are viewing things. And then when we actually start to do the work on ourselves, it is again, kind of reflected from our external environment then as well. Um, the last question and a huge topic that I'm kind of open, going to open up, but <laughs> um, something that re- resonates really deeply with me is you, t- you both talked about divorce and about how difficult, how difficult that was and how much you learned through that. And I, um, um, broke off an engagement in 2020, one year into building my own business. And it was a huge, huge trauma for me and big heartbreak and, um, super, super difficult to navigate as I was building a business. And as I, my business actually started to become busier and busier, um, during the time, you know, and I'm happy to talk a little bit about my own experience too, but during your time going through that, um, how did you navigate that with your workplace? Because I think, you know, we are obviously when we are, you know, toxic relationships or relationships in general are difficult, right? Some, they can be really difficult in the workplace. They can be really difficult in our personal lives. Um, how do you make sure that, you know, you're not bringing, you know, one or the other into, into the other world, right? So if you have a toxic relationship um, in your personal life, how do you make sure that you're kind of setting that boundary and maybe even, yeah, how do you set that boundary um, with, with maybe in the workplace or vice versa? Like when you have a toxic relationship in the workplace, how do you not bring that home? That's difficult. That's a difficult one. Uh, Kirsten and I had a unique situation because we worked at the same place. I had just gone through a divorce. She was, and I was about a year out of it and she was just starting to go through divorce. I would say, you know, it's important that you talk to the right people. So, you know, keeping it so that you can find the right help and the right support. So whether that's a therapist or a coach, so that you have a place to talk about it, because yes, I mean, if, if our situation didn't look the way it did, it was, it was easy for us to talk to each other, but say we didn't have each other and we're trying to talk to different people there. You can see how hard that would be to keep it in a place Mm -hmm. where it wasn't just, you know, invading your work and vice versa. So I would say making sure that you have the right people to talk to or the right support system and making sure you're able to keep it there. Cause I have been in a situation before where I was going through my divorce at a different job. And I actually had to step out of that job because he was coming to my work and it was making an unsafe place for people. And so, you know, and, and they didn't, 
and for me to be able to talk to, you know, other coworkers there wasn't a safe thing to do. So, you know, Mm -hmm. just really keeping it to a place of being able to talk to somebody that's outside of the workplace. And I think Mm -hmm. that helps at home as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would just say, I actually, I, I mean, if, if you want, I'm happy to share. I actually did it wrong. Please share. I, I did it wrong at that time. Yeah, no, I think yeah. totally. Cause that's, I mean, when I was going through it, I didn't know. And so on, I, I'm sure people can relate to that too. I, I went wrong. Like I did not handle that. Right. I, so learning from that, um, cause I buried myself in work. I got addicted to it. Like almost like I treated it like it's how I numbed out. I worked beyond hours than I should have. I created this, um, I, I buried myself in it and while I was going through a divorce. That, that was my like drug of choice, so to speak. Like I numbed mm-hmm. myself with work and that's not healthy either. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and like Tiffany said, instead of using this as like a coping mechanism, because I think people do use work that way. They can. Mm-hmm. And I totally did. I would encourage people to, like Tiffany said, go to the right places, talk the right way, do the right things. Like she was saying, because you can go the wrong way easily with it and in different ways, like you can bring it to work and that makes people uncomfortable or you can, like I, like I said, I, I just lost Mm -hmm. myself in it and buried myself in it to the point that, um, you know, I, I really regretted it later because I feel like it, it numbed me out to the good things too. Cause I wasn't just going through a divorce. I had other things. So I wish I would have had resources like, which is what we try to provide now mm-hmm. because I didn't find those. I found the wrong coping mechanism and it was work. So my mm-hmm. advice would be like, she said, find something, find ways to cope with it besides work. So that it doesn't come in sideways, whether it's using it to numb out or like she said, bringing it to work and then it's making other people uncomfortable or you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm thinking as well, like now looking again, reflecting back on that a little bit and looking back at like a year and a half ago. And I think I managed it fairly well in the sense that work was actually a welcome distraction at the time because it was so heavy emotionally. And then, um, you know, I think I really forced myself to both. I forced myself to like keep on working and focus on my work that was so important to me and at the same time also be totally okay with you know having kind of emotional episodes and not being able to work sometimes and just be like okay I just gotta take a self-care day I just gotta take you know half the day off or the rest of the day off the or the morning off because things would come up and I would just need that time to process things it's just I feel like I had to process so much stuff emotionally that I felt like I've, I was already mentally drained by just kind of that part um so that really helped me and you know to kind of find that like I always told myself it's a balance and you know I uh, you know found um, you know, the okayness in taking time for myself. And I also forced myself to work to distract myself from not just be sitting in those emotions, because I think it is important to sit in it. And it's important also to, you know, to, to just obviously, um, keep your life going and, and, you know, move, move forward. Um, because that's as hard as it is at the time, it's the most powerful thing to do um, when you're experiencing um, a difficult relationship, no matter if it is in the workplace or um, at home. And yeah, 
it's good good experiences but um i think you know we can always learn from these different things and they just make us stronger yeah 100% and i and that's the beauty of it I, i'm so glad you said that cuz that's what we try to tell our clients no matter what type of relationship it is that can be a catalyst to something beautiful mm. and then they can say things we actually said this at our retreat this weekend you know wow how is this my life like and it can be different tones right like when you're going mm-hmm. through a toxic time or burnout or hard thing you can be like wow why, how is this my life? Right. Like it's just, mm-hmm. and we want them to get to a place like, wow, this, this is my life. I'm so happy for that experience because it got me here and the mm-hmm. tone can change, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, totally. And I think the most important thing, and you mentioned that as well, was really the self-love and the self-worth, mm-hmm. like creating that and not making that dependent on that external person. Right. And not seeking that from someone else but finding it more within yourself I think was the most difficult thing obviously to do um, and to learn but then it's the most rewarding one as well because then you're starting to get that from yourself and you don't need that anymore obviously we still need it because you know our like as you said at the beginning of the podcast our whole life evolves around relationships and we're social beings and we want to connect and we you know there there's no life with without other people around you um but it's it's equally as important to to be good with yourself absolutely um how can people best connect with you if they're interested to work with you so you can go to the relationship recovery.com we also have a podcast called the relationship recovery podcast and we are on instagram TikTok and pretty much all things social media. We're also on YouTube, all under at the relationship recovery. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited that we got to talk about this super important topic and to share it out with the world. And obviously, hopefully we just planted some seeds and you know, uh tickled some some topics that might uh be important for people right now. And if they want to learn more, I might highly encourage them to go to your Instagram because it's awesome and um, they will learn a lot through that in the process. So thank you so much, uh, Kristen and Tiffany, to be here thank today. You. And thank you. Um, I wish you all the best for the future. Same to you. Thank you.